Listening Dog Media. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's one of England's most capped international players. Seaman is the man here. He's one of the world's most decorated goalkeepers. And it's somehow kept out by Seaman. This is a fantastic save. This is Seaman Says with David Seaman. And Seaman, what a magnificent save. Hear him. Breathtaking. Like never before. Hello and welcome back to Seaman Says with me, David Seaman and Lindsay Hooper. Joining us this week is a fellow double-double winner, the invincible Mr. Martin Keogh. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is that a piano or is it a desk behind you? That's a, it's a bureau. Yeah. That ain't no piano. You can't play <laughs> piano. <laughs> <laughs> if you were interviewing Tony Adams, there might be a piano there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've got that image in my head again now. <laughs> yeah. Tony, you can play piano. 
Yeah, I, remember I thought that. he was more of a keyboard man. <laughs> yeah. Easy. I think it lasted about a month and then he gave up. Can you remember that when he used to take it to his hotel rooms? And yeah. He used to practice in his hotel room, didn't he? Oh, he yeah. used to put his headphones on and just start playing the keyboard. <laughs> we were coming around the mountain. Wasn't yeah. It? <laughs> 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 what have you been up to, Martin? God, yeah, it's been a busy time. Yeah. Busy time, lots of games. Um, and my son is, um, we're going to be grandparents soon, hopefully. Are you? Know. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, in Easter. So my son's just moving into a house around the corner. So as soon as we finish, I'm going straight there with various contractors and I'm sort of all fronting up all the uh, all the home improvements. <laughs> Not again. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember your house, your, when you had your, your big house. My, mine and you had and you had it all surrounded exactly yeah. the same as the Arsenal training ground, didn't you? With the mounds <laughs> and then the yeah. bushes and everything on top. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I copied that. I, did, I got the same people to do it. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never yeah. forgot that. That was amazing. Uh, but you're going through all that again, are you? Yeah. Well, you got to with your kids, yeah. you know. So yeah. that keep, keeps me a bit. But I'm doing the, the games. I go to Manchester tonight. So I'll do a massive right. Brentford. Then Wolves, Arsenal tomorrow. I'm uh, Wolves, Arsenal as well. I will see you there. <laughs> you're in the Wolves, are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lindsay's a okay. Wolves fan, mate. I am a Wolves fan, yeah, okay. just to reveal before we <laughs> go any further. You can go above us, can't you, if you beat us? Yeah. And then you, pay us, you play us in a fortnight's time as well, don't you? Sort of double-header, really. It is, and they're very close together. That was the game that was rearranged because we were actually going to go to that, weren't we, David? Yeah, we were. We're all yeah, going to go. At the Emirates, yeah. yeah. We're all going to go as a seaman says outing for Christmas. We've got a box yeah. lined up and everything, Martin, and then yeah, COVID. Oh, COVID, sure. COVID stroke injuries. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find something else, Dave, later oh, in the yeah. season. Don't, yeah, you know me. Um, <laughs> actually, can we talk Arsenal for a second, given that there's been this huge outcry about not bringing a striker and letting Aubameyang go? And and I think I'd said to you, David, hadn't I, that maybe Arteta's of the, the schooling of Pep Guardiola, that he thinks that he can score without... Uh, a, a backup striker, you know, Lacazette and and Ketia's enough because obviously Emil Smith Rowe wasn't getting to start matches at times, but still scoring. So, can you see a change in system to adapt for that? Well, it, it does worry me that Aubameyang, when he lost the captaincy, I was always fearful that we might lose the player as well. And if you look at the last few games, we didn't score against Burnley, we didn't score against Forest. The two games in the uh, um, the League Cup against Liverpool, we never scored in those either. So there's an issue right now trying to score goals. Um, I'm assuming that he's spending time on the training ground trying to resolve that. And I was just looking through the stats for the game and 55% of the goals are coming from under 21-year-olds. So where are the senior players in the team? Because any team that we were successful in, myself and Dave, there was always going to be senior players in there over the age 28, 29, seasoned professionals, people that were going to win you trophies. And at the moment, Getting into fourth place is like a trophy. And it, 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 at the moment, you see Manchester United slipping up last night. You've got Spurs just, just behind us. West Ham seems to be profiting because they've got an experienced manager and a really good group. So Arsenal needs to start to wake up a little bit because if they don't beat Wolves in the next one, and Wolves win that, they go above Arsenal. They've got games in hand. So it is in their hands. Um, but... I'm really worried for them because they haven't got a striker. Lacazette now getting a little bit older. Um, 
And we don't, you know, we do ship the occasional goal. I think we've scored, conceded actually more goals this season than last. We've got had plenty of clean sheets, but we've when we do concede, we concede a lot. So it's it's you know it's there to go for, but I don't honestly believe Arsenal will finish in fourth place this season. What um, what have you thought of Ramsdale Martin? You know because when he when he first came in, he just it was it was just amazing, wasn't it? Do you know, Dave? I think um, he's really surprised me how well he's played. My the way I judge a top goalkeeper is when he's inactive for maybe 75 minutes and then suddenly pulls off a worldly save. I think he's happier when he's busier. Yeah. And in this current Arsenal team, he's busy. When we develop and we get better and we reduce the number of shots the opposition are having, he still needs to concentrate. Uh, but I, I think he's a huge personality. Um, he's a, a fan's favourite already. I love the way he integrates with the fans and celebrates with the fans. You'd think he'd been there a couple of years already when really he's only in his first... I think 18, 19 games. So, no, he's done exceptionally well. I think there might be a ricket there somewhere. I keep waiting for... It's been one or two he's yeah. got away with. Um, but he just needs to be calmer, just a little bit calm. And I looked at you uh, over my shoulder <laughs> and it was calmness personified. I think you need that. We're running around trying to create blocks, all of it crazy, and you need that calmness behind. So, that's what he needs to build. Great reflexes. I think the save at Leicester where he plucked to save out from the fruit was absolutely astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all there for him. It's just, uh, he's got to just keep enjoying it, but also that calmness I want to see there. Yeah. Do you both think that he's now more in the running for England number one? I mean, I watched Everton last night. I thought Jordan Pitford, it wasn't his best evening. I, I know that David and I, before we came on here, were talking about Trippier's free kick and... Yeah, the wall wasn't right, David said, but yeah. also his positioning was a bit off. Gareth Southgate was watching. Is Ramsdale rubbing his hands together thinking this is my opportunity coming up? Do you know, last night, for instance, I think that's the goalkeeper's responsibility. You know, he, he's he got to be happy with that wall. Now, it was bent round the wall, isn't it? But, so I'm pointing the finger at him for that. I, I don't think it's helping him that Everton are really, because Everton are now really in trouble. They are in a relegation fight, there's no doubt about that. There's uncertainty when a new manager comes in. Uh, Frank Lampard wasn't quite afraid to, to change the goalkeeper and they paid a fortune for him at Chelsea. So he knows he's under quite a bit of pressure. And yet Ramsdale is um, tearing it up. He's grabbing the headlines, he's making yeah. top saves. So Pickford, um, although when he plays for England, I have to say, whatever it is Southgate does with him, he seems to settle him down nicely. He's very loyal, Southgate. So I don't see him changing him uh, for the next, you know, for the next World Cup when we, you know, when we get there uh, in November, which is not really that that far away. But there's a lot of football to be played between now and then. But um, Ramsdale's on his way; he's on his shoulder. He's coming after him, and Pickford needs to start settling down and producing some uh, stable performances because I, I think he is really erratic. Again, he's one that just needs to calm down. When he makes a save, I'd like to see him enjoy making the save. Don't yeah. get up and give me a rollicking. They will get shots in. But it used to be that goalkeepers enjoyed making the power back day. This goal yeah. needs to be Mr. Angry. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah, I know I know exactly what you mean. You know, he's, he's always looking for someone to blame. And, and like you say, just enjoy it. You know, you've made a great save. Enjoy your save. Um, you know, and, and with, with Ramsdale, when I watch him, the, the excitement level that he's got now. I don't really want it to go any further, you know, because then it might start getting too much. 
But um, right. at the moment, it's working for him. And like what you said, Martin, he, he really is pushing Pickford. Um, but Pickford has never let England down and, and he always seems to produce for England. So until that stops, you know, or he makes a few mistakes with England, then I still think that, that Jordan will still be the number one in, um, in Qatar. It's a very uh, particular thing, goalkeepers. You need to be able to look at the goalkeeper, look at the keeper just standing and think, yeah, he's calm, he looks good, he looks relaxed. Um, even in the tunnel, you know, if the goalkeeper is getting too vocal, too busy, you feel, hold on, you know, there needs to come a calmness now because he's got to make really clear decisions. So it's that fine balance and that, that you, know what, you know what's required. You've been there yourself. It, Peter Shield was exactly the same, wasn't he? Really calm, knew what he wanted to do, instruct, got the instructions in. But I remember him at Forest, you know, with them winning titles and getting up and enjoying having made a save. So yeah. it's time Pickford did the same. Yeah. Now, what what did you prefer though? Did you prefer like because you you had you had Jens after yeah. me? You know, so you had a, a goalkeeper. Are you going to ask him if he pref- who he preferred when he's on with you? No, no, no. What style <laughs> of goalkeeper? <laughs> I also played uh, in front of the great Neville Southall. Yeah. And Nev, Nev was one of them that you didn't want to look at him when the ball went in the back of the net because you get <laughs> Someone was always going to get the blame. Um, but I, it's a difficult because you were calmer. But uh, I think Jens used to come for more crosses. Do you know? Yep. Uh, and went on an incredible run, do you know, where we didn't get beat for a whole season, his first season, because so that was quite remarkable. I know all I think, about that. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think uh, you, you judge goalkeepers as well when when it really matters. Do you know, I think I remember certain games where you were, we were getting lots of blocks. In fact, I remember you telling me to get out of the way because at times it would make it more difficult because it'd come off me <laughs> and then you've got to make a double save. But, you know, we were trying to make the blocks um, but it's always nice to look over your shoulder when you can, you know, you believe in the person behind you is going to get you out of trouble when you need it. So I was, I was quite fortunate that I had always, you know, even at Everton, I mean, Neville Southall was just crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, but don't look at him when you, yeah. when you, you looked at him, it was your fault. So I never, I never got involved. But I, I think now, um, you know, with Ramsdale. I was really surprised because when they let Martinez leave to go to Aston Villa, I thought Martinez had climbed the mountain, come through the roof system, uh, the, the youth system, was allowed to go to multiple clubs, came back, and I felt he should have been a keeper. So I was I was kind of against anyone who was going to get the next role because having yeah. come through the youth team myself, I wanted it for the next generation. So fair play to Ramsdale because he certainly t- uh, turned it around. Yeah. Now you mentioned you mentioned about Everton earlier, Martin, with with Neville. I I remember when we played Everton, and you was having this massive battle with Mark Hughes. Do you remember? We the ball would go like get booted into the air, yeah. and seriously, it was like it was coming down. I weren't even looking at the ball. All I was doing is like watching you and Mark Hughes have this wrestling match, and it was like NBA. It was like proper boxing, and it was like. Yeah. Mark Hughes, I, 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 my first encounter with him, I was 19, I was playing for Arsenal at Old Trafford, my third game for Arsenal, 1986. And, I, and, and we battled like that every time until I think he was, what was he, 38? And I was just like 35 at the time. Yeah. And then he kind of like came out of that top level. So, but it was always the same, uh, always physical, always fair. Uh, and I always got the better of him, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
<laughs> which is which is would you say that he was like the, the most physical one that you, you played against well there was a lot out there i remember back in the day mick harford who's uh, oh, to see that he's getting well again after treatment he's had cancer so but he was always very physical uh, his elbow was always in my mouth basically every time I went there, there it was parts you know aiming at you uh, there was a lot of physical players in those early sort of mid 80s I think it was one of those where if you're a young central defender they just like want to lay the law down Fashionu was another one that likes to sort of mix mix you know that physical side yeah. a lot of the time there wasn't a lot of football being played I, I, I saw it change massively with Wenger where everybody now in the Premier League puts their foot down and tries to pass and there's only a couple of teams now that go long um, and of course for central defenders it was always very physical because the ball's coming into us we've got to try and uh, deal with these big physical players it became more mobile Dave yeah. um, and the movement became better and nowadays there's only really one striker but back in, in the mid 80s it was two strikers and it was one of those that you you couldn't take a step backwards otherwise they'd literally knock you over Mm. Um, but it made us tougher um, and very good, I think, at dealing with balls coming into the box. Who's the central defender that you like the most now? Goodness. Uh, I think Van Dijk is, is the one that stands out because of his pace, um, because of his, his passing is, is ridiculous. At times, the diagonal balls, he's, he's plays on the left, but he's, you never see him in any kind of trouble on his left foot. He brings it on to his right. He sends these raking diagonal balls. He can clip balls. Um, as I say, he's good in a one one His pace is good. Sometimes I think he's, he's not getting the line right. I think if I was playing alongside him, he doesn't seem to know when to squeeze, when to hold, and when to drop off. They're just the three things that you need to do. We always do, when there's good pressure on the ball, meaning you know, someone's getting close to the field, you can hold your line or move up. And sometimes he's a bit detached from the rest of the group and it doesn't look quite right but nine times out of ten um, he's the best player in the Premier League defensively yeah, he, he, re he recovers that really well though doesn't he you know and we, even when you watch him he just looks so calm and hardly anything seems to get him ruffled Rolls Royce Dave he just he just purrs across the ground yeah. and he's come back with really bad injury as well and that doesn't seem to have taken anything away from him yeah mm. but, and you mentioned about um, coming through the youth and all that sort of thing. What, what was how was it for you? Because I know you you started your career at Arsenal. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was in the youth team. I was blessed with. I mean, I look at um, that team of Dave Rowcastle, Mickey Thomas, Paul Merson, uh, Gus Caesar made it to the first team, Martin Hayes, Noel Quinn as well, um, Mickey Thomas, and myself and Tony at the back in the same youth team um, was quite remarkable. So. It was really tough every day. And I actually, fit, I remember talking to the UT manager quite a few years later saying, well, the standard was so good, we didn't really know how good you all were until we took you out of that group and put you into other groups. Yeah. Because it was um, it, it was kind of a dog-eat-dog -dog situation. Everyone was very, I mean, even Rocking was physical, put his foot in. And that all came from the small-sided games we did. I mean, Dave, we would do heading practice in a circle and they'd put me and Noel Quinn in together and say, right, first to 10. First one to get head on it 10 times is the winner. Can you just imagine what was happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> it was Tony Adams, you know? Mm, yeah. And it was, um, a, you know, a really strong group. So I, I kind of had the, the blood of, you know, Arsenal was running through my veins for those early years. You go into the marble balls, you do your evening training, you're dreaming about 
playing the first team. And then it happens. It's, it was remarkable. And I left um, because of a, a contract dispute. You know, don't how difficult it could be contracts. Yeah. In fact, you helped me in the second half of my career <laughs> when it came to my contracts. Um, and I just felt, on a point of principle, I'm going. And I remember uh, Dave Rocastle rang me and said, I want to come with you. Um, and they quickly, David Dean stepped in, made sure everybody's contracts were all attended to. It was just one of those things, you come through the ranks and I think they just sort of hold you back, expect you to, to sign for the club. Uh, and when I came back, it was like, you know, a case of unfinished business. It was tricky at the beginning. But I think but tricky for some of the guys to accept me back, the likes of Tony Adams who sort of kind of like ran, flown from the nest and then come back. And they just, Merce and Tony turned into these superstars. Um, and then slowly I sort of made my way in. And it wasn't until Wenger arrived that I started being able to win trophies and be a part, really, of the Arsenal story. Because Wenger, David, as you know, completely transformed everything we did. Yeah. Do you remember your first dealings with David? I do. I, I remember playing with Dave for England uh, in uh, just before 92, Dave, is that right? Yeah. So you you made the squad, didn't you? But you did, did you make the squad? What was that? Did that would be the Euro 92. No. no, that's when I no. got left behind. Yeah, but that's but you were in front of Chris Wood, weren't you? No, and then we. No, but I think you were. Because right. I thought you were, yeah. and then then something happened in a game, and then I think Graham Taylor sort of changed his allegiance, and right. then didn't have room for you in the squad. I can't understand why you weren't in the actual squad. It was a joke, to be fair. <laughs> but I mean, you obviously put all of that right in '96, where things really took off for you, and people then really appreciate what you could offer. You know, certainly in English, uh, Arsenal fans have already knew that. Um, but it is, a, it is a bit of a step when you go to your club, you have that support, don't you? And I think from your point of view, you, once you knew everyone was with you, your career just took off and the whole nation was behind you in 96. It was a competition that I missed. Um, I I um, wasn't involved. I did 92. I played 2000 and I regret really not being involved in 96. I did have to have an operation. I probably wouldn't have been available. Um but um, I never actually featured on the Bengals in any of that era. And then I found actually, certainly on the Bengals, that it was, it was more difficult to get out of the squad than it was to get in it. Do you know, it was, uh, <laughs> it's one of those weird things because once, for years I couldn't get back in. And then uh, for a number of years, uh, I was even playing up to, to 35 in 2002. So I'm not sure what happened in some of those years in between. <laughs> When when you look back at your career, Martin, what what is the highlight for you? Of you've got you've, you've won what is it 10, 10 winners medals, something like that. I, I, I do you know what I don't I try not to actually. I've got a little room where I'm supposed to put everything out and everything's in a box because I don't really. It's like it happened to someone else, <laughs> but life happened somewhere else as we as we move on. I think it's seventeen years since we went on beat the whole season. Um, that, that was amazing to be around that at the end. I think your, your first real success, I remember standing at Wembley in 98 with um, Jordi Armstrong, God rest his soul. Yeah. And I was one that just didn't do a lot of celebrating, um, did, got off the pitch, and he dragged me back out again to take it all in and to walk back round and stand in the goal and sort of suck it up. Because he said that when he played, he didn't do that. They won a double in 71. And when I arrived at the club, everyone was talking about the 71 group and how brilliant they were. And they ran further, headed more balls, won more tackles. And there we've done it in 98. In fact, we went on and did it twice 
But Jordy Armstrong was clever because he brought me back out. In that moment, sort of, then I started to realise, you know, things are, I'm winning trophies now. They've won the double there. Finally, you know, I missed the Cup Winners' Cup with a hamstring. Uh, even, even, the, uh, even the trophies as a kid at Arsenal, I broke them, dislocated the shoulder the day before the South East County's final. It seemed like then I was cup tied for the, the two cups when, you know, you won the League Cup, FA Cup when I came back. Yeah. Never going to happen. Then suddenly it happened, and then it became again. It was because there's ways to play finals, Dave, as you know. Um, yeah. Things were going wrong. I went. I was stretched off in the in the final of the Cup Winners' Cup. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, which was a, so things just kept going wrong, and then eventually, um, you know, couldn't start winning trophies on the way. <laughs> oh dear! Four, by the way, Man United kept stopping us winning trophies. I think it's a bit like. When I look at uh, Liverpool, Man City now, Man City have won three of the last four Premier Leagues. And everyone, people will look back and say, oh, well, Liverpool didn't really contest that much. But we know, living through it, they did. Yeah. And it was like that for Arsenal. You know, I think we finished runners-up four or five times. Um, and it could have gone either way. 99 could have gone either way. Yeah. You know, where um, Dennis misses that penalty and the men United go on. So we really took Manchester United. I think actually we surpassed Manchester United. In 2002, we overtook them. Uh, and they 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 had the thing to themselves from when it, the inception of the um, of the Premier League 1992-93 when it started they were winning everything until yeah. we came up. Um, but it looks like they continue to win it, but I think we had a big say in that. Yeah. Before you go as well, Martin, because um, I have to try and get some some dirt on David. <laughs> you have shared so many memories together. You've been celebrated. I'm sure you've been on many a night out. There might have even been initiations Please. involved there. Um, can you just give us something? Because the listeners will love that. I, I, what used to be great was, was <laughs> sometimes, because David loved his fishing, didn't he? Yes, yeah, still does. I know, we, we get I, pictures. I it was one, I remember a, a sight of God day. We had a uh, coach driver. We'd pull up at the coach uh, at the training ground after a game midweek. And then Dave was, Dave's got his ass in mind, pulled up, boot, boots up. And then I see the, I see the coach driver go to the back, wait for us and begin to spit, and then take this tray of, of lagers, big hands of lagers, and put me in Dave's driver, uh, uh, boot his car. And it's, Dave, what? Well, I'm fishing in the morning, six o'clock. I'm fishing. I'll, I'll have a couple of these while I'm fishing. <laughs> That's my goalkeeper. You can be like, don't worry, fella, I'll be fine for the weekend. So I think Dave enjoyed that calmness, you know, away from the sport. Mm. Beer fishing, can of lager. And then, uh, but whenever the games came around, you'd never believe Dave was right on it. But that's how he relaxed in between games. Brilliant. <laughs> I, you have all these monitors and stuff that that everyone wears nowadays. I wonder if your like heart rate was just constantly like. Yeah, my, mine wouldn't register. <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I used to look at Dave and Dave. I used to say to him, "Dave, are you all right, Dave?" You go, <laughs> "You big laugh, this big laugh." I'd say, "Stop it! You look nervous." <laughs> I remember you saying that. You look nervous. <laughs> you look nervous. Big laugh would come. And I, I'd look at Dave, he's ready to go. An hour before kickoff, Dave was ready. And he was just sat there, like, Mr. Calm, waiting for the game. And I'm like, is he sure he's ready to go already? But, you know, you've got, it was, it was, it was reassuring when you looked around. And I used to look around the dressing room and remind people, I don't even remember me saying it, Dave. I, before every game, I'd say, 
you know, I've almost waited a, a lifetime to be in a dressing room with this sort of quality. I remind people of how good they were. And you really could have gone anywhere with that group. And all the way through that, that 1918 was something special, wasn't it? With yeah. Manny Pierre and midfield. Overmars was just so quick. It, it was ridiculous. Being able to put that team together uh, with, with all the defenders that were there already in yourself, really very quickly it took off. It should have won more. Mm-hmm. We did in Europe, we, did, we were playing, weren't we, at Wembley? We didn't have a home, so to speak, in Europe. We'd have played at Highbury. Been really interesting to see how far we've gone that year because that yeah. group was really, really good. We know that David likes his fishing. What's your hobby? I don't know. Probably, probably developing houses became a didn't it? David became a bit yeah. of a hobby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, two houses that I involved into to construct while I was playing, um, and I've carried on doing the same. I've not long been living where I am now, so I'm just about out my son. But no, I like to keep busy. I like to. I like to prove that I can be successful in other areas, not just football. I try to do that in business. I try to do it in, in construction. Um, and I think when we finish, it's 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 still it's a ch- every day is a challenge because you you don't have that. We don't go into a football club anymore. We don't have our diary sorted for us. So I like to be busy, but not too busy. I mean, at the moment, it's manic with the Premier League. The way that it's um, we've got BTs doing all these games this week, so the next couple of weeks, the FA Cup as well with the BBC. So um, I've just thrown myself, my, my knowledge of football growing every, every year. So like tactics, I mean, when we played, we tactics weren't very much, that much a part of the game. Wenger got us to play, it was about how we played, Dave, wasn't it? We were very well talked about the opposition. We found a winning uh, solution with really uh, top players who wanted to win. If, you don't, if your mindset's not right and you're not really at it, you'll get beat whatever game, you know, whatever level you're at. So I just I just enjoy my son now's had to stop playing football because of injury. Um and he's just become a coach at Oxford United. He's doing the um the kids there in the evenings four nights a week. So I'm sort of uh helping him to make those first steps into coaching. I'm enjoying and learning his feedback from his sessions. So uh yeah, football plays a part in my life. Uh although I don't do it in terms of management and coaching, Dave. I just no. I still have I have to have my footballing fix. Um, each week as long as it doesn't completely take over <laughs> yeah but what about when you went to Arsenal and you was doing your badges weren't you you was there for a whole season weren't you doing that I did that yeah I did that Wenger asked me to come in um, and uh, it was just I mean one of those things was I didn't know um, he wanted me to be a mentor and I did it for a year we got to the Champions League final and I was working with Pat and the defence I really enjoyed that was learning a great deal uh, I think it was a huge disappointment from Bengal when we didn't actually win it. Yeah. Perhaps if we had, then I might have stayed on. Um, and I, he wanted me to stay, but I just felt it wasn't, it didn't really map out a proper role for me. Uh, probably should have been a bit more determined to stay. Um, my family didn't want me to stay. Her parents, my mother was very ill. She's still alive, but she's got Alzheimer's. My father's now passed away. They asked me not to go back. So I kind of stepped away. But I really enjoyed the, the year that I was there. With, with Arsene Wenger and um, yeah it, it could have been it could have been quite different because he was say, one of the footballing greats a great visionary Arsene Wenger mm-hmm. um, why that club when I left there in 2004-2005 I thought they were going to go on a train through Europe and win everything that team was capable of doing whatever it wanted whatever it chose to do and it fell away and Wenger couldn't find that winning formula again and he just stayed it was like a 
somebody out of one arm bandit, you know, putting money in the slot, didn't want to lose the machine. He was worried about the next person win. Just stayed too long. Yeah. He fell in love with the club, uh, as we all did. Um, and he just, he did chose the wrong moment to leave. But I do believe he should be in, on the board. He should be upstairs in his football club. Um, and there still needs guidance. I don't feel at the moment it's completely right. Arteta's, I do think he's the right man, but we are not showing any consistency and uh, the transfer market, we need to improve what we're doing there as well. Yeah, because like when, when, when you, you say about the consistency, I've been going on about this for a long time, you know, especially with the youngsters, you, you, you get those sort of performances though, don't you? You get like when they're brilliant and then they don't know how to, how to react when it's not quite going so well. And like you say about the experienced players, they're not really, the, the, the mixture's not right at the moment, is it? They don't remember leaving the pitch and saying to players, make sure you look after yourself between now. Forget that game, it's gone. We've got another one. If we don't win the next one, then that's going to all be a waste of time. And I wasn't saying that at 21 and 22. I was wondering, how do I manage to replicate that performance again? Will I ever play as well as that again? Yeah. Do you know, it's, it's so new for these players. And when you've got Saka and Smith-Rowe, you know, running, they're running our team. It, you need experienced players. And as Wenger was quoted saying, you don't win anything unless you've got 27, 28 roles in the group. And he far, far too many seasons, he had to keep adjusting to let top players leave. He'd bring a player through as just as he was right, ready to really win something, you had to let him go. Um, that didn't happen in our day. So it's happening all over again. So when we look at the, what I'm worried about is the likes of Edu, um, He's in that situation where he learned from the previous manager. He's, he's everything he has, everything he, his philosophy is well quoted. You know, William, for instance, you know, that would never happen in our day because Wenger wouldn't have allowed it because yeah. he wouldn't give us more than a couple of years. He brings somebody in from the outside, you know, perhaps too old, gives him a three-year contract. Just keep it simple. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's what I want to see is the right sort of players coming. And I think they're getting it quite right there. I think the back defenders, Tommy Atsu's come in, done quite well. You know, there's a nice back four forming. Ramsdale is coming in, but the midfield's too short. Bakonga is not quite at the level. Defensive mid, yeah. Jacket keeps getting sent off. So it's really important. I think Arsenal need to spend big money in midfield and up top. If they can get a striker in, because on the outside of that, Martinez would be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I came to game in the team day. Honestly, I nearly started a petition of 10 days <laughs> to get him in the team because I've heard really good things about him and he's there now. He's a fixture now. So he's got Saka the same and then Smith Rowe, Erdegaard, I'm not completely convinced where's he going to play but we need a base that we can build from in midfield. I mean, we had Vieira and Manu Petit and honestly, they were vying for man of the match for me. It was like, it was a flick of a coin and they have admitted that they wanted to be top dog. They were trying to outplay each other. Well, you go ahead, guys, and outplay each other in midfield. We'll just sit back and we'll let you do everything. And we need a midfield like that now. Where are they out there? I don't know. I'm not working in that field. But I can tell you if I was, I'd make sure I got somebody in that midfield who would start running the game. Mm -hmm. And there are players out there that can do it. Um, and that's what Arsenal need going for. Partey's done okay, Dave, but he's been a bit disappointing. Yeah, he's, so, not, he's not had a, lo a long run, run of games, and he's, he's had quite a few injuries, you know, so it's been stop-start with him. But get another one then. Get another one who puts him under pressure. And if he's not fit, he doesn't play. But we have, we have someone else. We need two. So there's three really top midfield players. And the opposition then look at them and go, hold on. <laughs> They're big names. 
They're good players. I think they look at our midfield and think there's another set of kids in there. Who are these? It doesn't put fear into the opposition. Yeah. Mine has been amazing having you on, but I'm not letting you go until we get your thoughts. Because you mentioned about Man United earlier on. <laughs> I've got to ask you about the Van Nisselrooy thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, do you know what's funny? It's been about a week since someone last asked me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, it used to be every day. Um, well, it just, I mean, do you know what? I kind of like became Patrick Vieira's protector. Yeah. And I just felt that day, I mean, the amount of times Patrick got me into trouble, if you look back, and I was trying, I mean, what he got Patrick sent off uh, and um, Van Nistelrooy. And I, we'd already been previous with Van Nistelrooy. I'd already paid a huge bill to repair a roof at the FA the year before with an incident with Van Nistelrooy. And here it was all happening again. So, and then I gave a penalty away, which was dubious. I didn't really think it was a penalty. Um, Stand and then we, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I'm just going to have to give it in. And I didn't realise that the cameras were panning in. And, and then the game finished, Dave, within a minute or so. It was just a minute finished. So we just turned from that bang. And we just, we all were just so angry. Because the game was easy. It, was not, it wasn't that tricky. And it was like the Alamo. As soon as they had the pair sent off, it was a totally different game. It's like they'd sucked us into that again and that we were going to get beaten uh, once more. And it was, there was no justice whenever we played Man United. That's what it felt like. So then we reacted as we did. <laughs> what do you mean, <laughs> we? <laughs> well, you know what? Was, I mean, when you look back at the number of players that were suspended, the fines that were played. I mean, Man United players hadn't got any fines. Um, I, I, the funny story about it was, was that um, that season I was like on quite a low basic. You probably even knew the details because you were... <laughs> And, and it was like, I was on quite large appearance money. So, so every game I lived was like quite a lot of money. So when I got like five games that, and then a fine on top, I don't think anyone's paid that kind of money before or what it was costing me. And, and David Dean was saying, I've told them, but they still want to do it. So that was, um, no, that was very expensive. But if I didn't, if I hadn't done that, Dave, I wouldn't have had anything else to talk about. Because that's really <laughs> <laughs> brilliant mate well that's that's been amazing Dave great great to speak to you and you pal we need to get together no, we don't, no, we don't, I know we don't live too far apart we need to get back on that golf course yeah I need to yeah I'm, 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 I've been playing through the winter this year well I would like so, to be your golf ball <laughs> <laughs> but my lad is absolutely brilliant on the golf and he's shaming me at home but no we will let's do it let's All do right, it mate. brilliant Nice one, mate. Take care, Paul. Thanks, bye. Okay, guys, all done? Yeah, all good, thank you. Were we recording right at the top? I didn't realise, were we? Jesus, I didn't even... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. Cheers, bye. Bye -bye. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Cheers, Dave. Bye. Cheers, everyone. Bye. This is Seaman Says with David Seaman. Usually we leave that there, but I heard about the beers in the back of the Aston Martin. <laughs> and I'm wondering, is this the Aston Martin that wasn't such a good car for you in the end? Well, yeah, it was the Aston Martin, <laughs> but it, it was a good car because I bought it brand new in 2000, I think it was. And three months later, I landed upside down in it. <laughs> and it was yeah, a Did that. you spill the beer? <laughs> yeah, the beers went everywhere. No, seriously, we, we played a game and we got back to the training ground. 
on the coach and then we're all getting in our cars and I come out the training ground and literally within a hundred yards, the, the road was a bit wet and I put my foot down, I must admit, but it, I'd only gone, you know, like a hundred yards and then I lost the back end. It spun me and I went sideways across the road, hit the curb, it flipped the car. Lee Dixon was behind me. He went, goal, he went, it was like watching a James Bond movie. <laughs> <laughs> he says this Aston Martin went, over flipped over and I've missed like some big trees and and I went straight into the bushes it's right outside Watford's training ground now and it landed upside down but then I was like I, I couldn't get out and it was really weird because I was all disorientated because what had happened is the the airbags had gone off and then there's all <laughs> this like powder that I thought it was smoke right so I started to panic a bit and I'm like trying to elbow the window which is upside down which is just so weird and I couldn't get out and then and Lee had like jumped out of his car ran up to the car and then he he actually managed to leave one of the doors open and as he opened the door the window smashed he says i've never seen anybody get out of a car so fast in all my life i just shot out the car <laughs> and i swear i didn't have anything wrong with me i've not even got a bruise or anything the only thing i've got is when i when i pushed off the ground to get out the car where the window had smashed, I got a tiny little cut on my hand and, and that was it. Did you, you, know, did so you check yourself? Just, did you kind of like... so lucky. Well, you were in, obviously yeah. you were in shock. You do, and you know what? Do you know what I remember as well is is that when, it, when I hit the curb and it started to go upside down, I knew you get that like moment of just total quietness where you know something bad's coming. So it went all quiet and then it just went... I was so lucky and I actually had the car repaired. It had a £53,000 insurance bill on it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it was... Um, but I kept the car, yeah, because it was a lucky car because I didn't have anything wrong with it. It was a soft top and the roof had squashed right down, yeah. When you say you uh, lost the back end, was that of the car or your back end? The bit of me back end was still in the car. <laughs> this is a listening dog media production. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.